This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to sort of the Clear Jets podcast. Here is Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, we are here. Another preview podcast. Every game is a big game, but the one this Sunday, Michael, it feels like an opportunity for the Jets to really stake their claim at, at a playoff spot. Um, it won't be easy. They're, I think they're nine and a half point underdogs. At least they were last time I checked. Um, so clearly not the favorites. The Bills get a lot of guys back. The Jets get a lot of guys back. It's a completely different matchup than it was a few weeks ago, but it's still a huge one nonetheless. How are you feeling a few days out? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, this is a big opportunity for the Jets. I don't think it's a must-win game, but you're getting to that point of the season where every single loss really hurts your chances of making the playoffs. Uh, I think the best way to sum it up, I was looking at the playoff odds at Football Outsiders, and the way they have this shaping up for the Jets is that right now their playoff odds are at 56%. If they lose this game, it only drops to 49%, which is, you know, it's only a small loss because it's a game the Jets aren't quite expected to win anyway, but if they win it, I believe it goes up to 86%, 82%, somewhere in there. So if you can find a way to win this game, you know, going on the road, sweep the Bills, get the tiebreaker over them, and just everything that comes with beating this team and sweeping them and just what that says about the talent level of this team going forward. Um, it means a lot. If you can win this game, you're in a really good shape heading into those final four weeks. If you lose, which is, you know, what I think is the more likely outcome, then, you know, it's not the end of the world. You have two winnable games coming up um, and one in Seattle, you can also win and a Miami team that is better than when the Jets last played them, assuming Tua plays, but a team you could beat. So um, it's a pivotal game here. I think this game is what serves as a difference between are the Jets a really legitimate team that should have no problem cruising to the playoffs, or are they going to have to scratch and claw and have a really good finish over the final four games to get in? So um, very big opportunity for the Jets here to establish themselves as you know the better end of what they've shown this season because we've seen some good We've seen some bad, especially over the last few weeks. You know, um, so which team are you? Are you a fringe team or are you a really talented team that can actually make some noise? I think we'll find that out this week. And can you imagine if they sweep the Bills, Michael? Like that wasn't even on the car on the playing table when we opened the season. It was just no, not in the cards be, at all. Yeah, that was a better way of saying it. It was just be in the hunt in December. It was all we cared about. 
and they're they're doing that right now. I mean, right now they would be in the playoffs, and I think it's a good good time in the podcast. We're definitely going to talk pretty much entirely about the Bills game, but let's let's look at the playoff picture a little bit, give people a, a little recap or uh, you know set the scene in terms of what they should Actually, be cheering you know, for this Sunday. Know, what I thought you were going to say before we got into this is I thought we were going to take a step back here and appreciate where we're at before no, we look at there's no no appreciation no appreciation we're not no, appreciating we're this. it's crunch time right now we're going down the season that's what i was gonna say win. i was gonna say let's just take a moment we don't know where it's gonna go from here this is what we wanted meaningful games we're talking about the playoffs right now we're not talking about the draft or free agency there are high stakes everything matters you know every moment of your week at least for me is <laughs> your emotions are affected by man are the jets gonna make the playoffs this year i can't like fully enjoy my life right now without knowing that fact <laughs> what that's me at least I feel like you should but, be in a better i feel like i mean i yeah, guess that I, contradicts I, my statement about appreciation but yeah that, well, i'll say it's I'm better to get into it's, it's better when they this it's better than when like 2020 when we were just cheering for them to lose and it, it felt like the weeks that year from like week 11 to week 17 the end of the season the, those weeks felt like they took eight months you know yeah. you're just waiting for the season to end so it's like all right can we fire gaze now can we get on with the off season so we have like something to look forward to it's like no i mean i know what you mean where it's like you know the jets are getting good enough to the point where they're going to have heartbreaking games again which sucks yeah. but this is this is i mean as bill parcel says this is why we lift all the weights michael um all right well let's let's set the scene though a little bit right, in terms of the past, the- we're looking ahead now that's right yeah i mean look i like it we should definitely be grateful for for what the jets have done so far but um, they certainly have an opportunity in front of them to not just make the playoffs, but make some noise in the playoffs. And as ridiculous of a statement that may have sounded like a few months ago, I think the team has proved it. And then especially the quarterback performance the last two weeks. Now you're able to say, hold on now. The Jets aren't held back by a quarterback. Why can't they go into road territories in the playoffs and win a few games? You know, like I know the, the current matchup with them right now is, and not to get too far ahead of our skis, is, is Kansas City. And look, the Jets probably won't win that game. Kansas City's a great team. But look at those individual matchups. It's not like the Jets are the far uh, or the Chiefs are the far superior team. It's like, all right, I mean, like we could put Sauce Gardner on, on Travis Kelsey. Like I'd trust our defensive line to get pressure against that O line. I mean, obviously, Mahomes is such a freakazoid, but it's like, you know, if Mike White is playing at a high level, you never know. I'm not saying like that the Jets are going to Super Bowl run just yet, but they certainly have, for the first time since 2015, they have the potential to to make a championship run, you know, as small as a percent as it might be. Look at me trying to like play both sides of the fence here. I really just want to scream with my chest that the Jets are going to make a playoff run, but I'll hold back on that for now. Let's, um, all right, let's set the scene though. So right now, three wildcard teams, Bengals, Dolphins, Jets. we got a few teams on the outside looking in. The most important ones to watch are the Chargers and the Patriots. The Patriots, obviously, yeah. because they have the tiebreaker over the Jets. And then also... You can factor in the Ravens, who are currently the, they're the four seed or the three seed right now. I should probably pull up the standings while I talk. Three about seed, it. but um, yeah, three seed. But the Ravens are tied with the Bengals, so it's possible that with Lamar Jackson getting injured, the Ravens could be a team to keep an eye out for. Unfortunately, the Jets don't have the tiebreakers with the Bengals, the Ravens, or the Patriots. They do have, however, have them with the uh, Browns and Steelers who don't seem like uh, playoff contenders, the same with the Raiders, but they're hanging around and, and the Raiders are getting hot now and the Browns get Watson back and the Steelers seem to be finding their groove a little bit with Pickett. So there's all these teams all fighting for a limited amount of spots in December. The Jets are at the front of that pack right now, but 
you know, it changes every week. We were talking about this before, just how crazy it is, how important every single game is. It just really, I think that's really what makes the NFL so successful is because there's no, yeah. there's not a single wasted game. Even the winnable games are like, okay, they should beat Detroit, they should beat Jacksonville. Um, it's like every game in the, in the NFL is hard. All those games start out at zero zero, and you're going up against NFL players, and upsets happen every week, and so it's it's just a battle every single week, and they could beat the Bills and then lose the Lions, but. Certainly a win this weekend would be would be absolutely massive. So, okay, Michael, maybe set the scene. I've said set the scene eight times now. Set the scene for us, Michael. Who needs to win this Sunday? What are the Jets right, looking at? Should I set the scene? I think I think the setting of the scene should commence. The setting of the scene is commencing right now. All right, let's talk about this. I mean, for me, I think, like you said, it's the Chargers and the Patriots that I have my eyes on. I know the Raiders are coming up here, and they're making a run. The Steelers and the Browns are hanging around, but if the Jets have to worry about those teams, they, then they didn't do their part because, you know, and they're in a position here where if they could just keep playing at the level they play this year, you know, which is be a winning team, not necessarily a dominant team, but win more often than they lose, finish 3-2 and two here at the least, those teams won't come close to catching them. So I don't, I'm not too worried about them yet, but the Chargers and the Patriots are definitely what you're keeping an eye on. And... I think the Chargers feel like a little bit more of a threat just because of the Patriots' schedule. Because you look for look at the Patriots' schedule here, and they got the Cardinals this week. That's probably the most winnable game they have left, but on the road, Cardinals are coming off a bye. They're healthier than they've been all season. Hopkins is back. Brown is back. Murray's missed some time. He's back. Um, then next year or next week against the Raiders, who are getting hot. And, you know, I think we'll want to root for the Raiders there despite – their improvements. Then after that, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills to finish up. And Patriots really have not looked that great against good teams this year. I mean, the Jets are the only winning team that the Patriots have beat this season. So they've yet to show that they can compete with teams like that. So I'm not totally confident in the Patriots to catch up to the Jets, but we'll see what happens. And you'll want to root for them every single, root against them every single week. But Chargers are a bigger threat because of the schedule they have. They got Miami this week. That's a tough one. Um, Tennessee the next week. That's a tough one. But I mean, the Titans are falling off a little bit. They haven't looked too great. Um, but then after that, Colts, Rams, and Broncos to finish the season. That's terrifying for the Jets. There's a very good chance the Chargers can at least pull out three wins here and maybe make a push for four. So that's what makes it tough for the Jets. And then in terms of the tiebreaker with the Chargers, uh, that's interesting because it could go either way. Right now, the Chargers have the um, well, the conference record is even right now between the Jets and the Chargers in terms of how many losses they have. But if the Chargers win this week and the Jets lose, the Chargers will take the tiebreaker in terms of conference record. The Jets are five and four, Chargers are four and four, and if they tie in conference record, then it goes to the common games, and that would be good news for the Jets. Because the Jets have that right now. Um, in the common games that they played, you know, same opponents the Chargers and Jets have both played. Jets are 3-0. Chargers are 1-3, I believe. And so as long as uh, all four of these games don't go the Jets' way, or the Chargers' way, um, as long as the Jets don't lose to both the Seahawks and Jaguars and the Chargers don't beat both the Dolphins and the Broncos, all four of those things happen. Jets will have that locked up. So the Jets could win the tiebreaker against the Chargers. So that was a lot. 
I'm not sure how much beard. of that I, I tracked, if I'm being completely honest. But we the, set the we stage did set, was set the scene. or the scene was set or whatever, and I did my one man show there. Yes, um, maybe could have used some supporting acts to kind of my bad help us. Yeah. You know. Uh, right. well, okay. a little bit better, but here's, here's the bottom line. Win some football games, and so let's not worry about this. Jets stuff. win, and then just cheer against Bengals, Ravens, Dolphins, Chargers, Patriots, and then we'll throw the Raiders and Browns and Steelers in there. And then if they play, just, I don't know. The one game I, I am curious about, because it's a Sunday, so we should talk, talk about it. Are you cheering for the, the Chargers or the Dolphins? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say. I mean, I think I'm going Dolphins right now, because for me, it's more so just about, you know, kind of having that buffer in case the Jets struggle, just you want to get into the playoffs. It's enticing because they have the Dolphins tiebreaker. Um, you know, can they make a play for the division maybe or jump over the Dolphins? Uh, so there's that's an enticing aspect of it. I guess it just depends on how confident you are and what the Jets will do. And because that's a Sunday night game and it's going to come after the Jets play the Bills, I think we'll have more information by then in terms of what we want. Because, I mean, if, if the Jets win, and I'll ask you this, if the Jets beat the Bills... Does that push you towards the Dolphins a little bit? Do you start like setting your sights higher off that confidence of beating the Bills, or are we still thinking, you know what, let's just get that Chargers loss. Let's, let's increase this cushion to two games here for the playoffs. I mean, I think it's a win-win if they beat the Bills, because part of me w- w- would also say this. If the Chargers beat the Dolphins, I think it'll be pretty hard for the Jets to enter the last week of the year and not have a shot at the playoffs, because they'll be able to play yeah. the Dolphins again and they'll either, if they're game back, a win will get them over the Dolphins. And right, yeah. As long as they're within you know, one game of the Dolphins, that last game, right. they could jump them. Right. So, so there's that aspect. It's kind so of the a Char- win if they beat the yeah. Bills. You're right. Yeah, if the Chargers win, then it's like, not only am I looking at the division, but I'm also like, oh, but the Dolphins now are, and the Dolphins don't have a, a extremely easy schedule. I mean, they do have, you know, I I have to pull it up, but it's, I know they play the Packers in there. Yeah, so I got here. So at Chargers, through. at Bills. Packers at home, at Patriots, and then the Jets. And so, and they've lost how many games? Four games. The Jets are at five. Yeah, they're at eight and four. Yeah. So, what do they need to finish, math guy? Can you just do the? What do they need to finish for the Jets to? In their four games before the Jets game, what do they need to go for the Jets to have a shot at them? To be with well, them. I mean, as long game. as the Jets, like, assuming the Jets go. Them. Yeah. Because as long as they're okay. within one game, they beat them and tie them. They have the tiebreaker. Okay, so I'm saying like if the Dolphins go two and two and the Jets go, I'm the Dolphins are two and two the math. next four games, then the Jets just have to match that and also go two and two, and okay. they would still be well, within reach. Which so is doable with those two home That's games. Definitely so. doable. And then also you look at that Dolphins schedule; it's like oh, there's potentially two losses in there. But then yeah, if the Chargers that lose. silver lining. So if they lose to the Chargers, then they're at the Bills the next week. If they lose that too, then all the Jets you know, have to you... do is take care of business in those home games. And they'll have that shot in week 18. Right. Right. There we go. I'm glad. I'm glad we went through that. Uh, okay, there we go. Now the scene Let's, has been said. There are two actors <laughs> in here bouncing off of each other. Now right, the, bit, the bit's over. The bit is over. Let's go to Buffalo. Window. Back to the uniforms. The, yeah, back to the uniforms real quick. Um, white on black. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think they're going to go. Well, we should talk about this. Uh, Max Mitchell, kind of some big injury news this week. Not yeah. only was there the Jets flu going around, which did affect an interview we had scheduled for this week. Um, yeah. It's been Should rescheduled be for next week. As I said, though, I'm, I'm careful about promoting it because it's like, you know, we did kind of promote it on the podcast and then it didn't happen. And so it's like, I'll wait for that to be in the can. But we should have George Fant on the podcast next week with that coming out next Wednesday. Fingers crossed. 
that goes according to plan. So not only was there a little Jets flu going around, and you know I did notice like Reed had a mask on after the game, and and then even like a pra- like the Jets put out like a little practice video or whatever of like, you know, whatever. And like I saw some players with masks on, so clearly there's like a flu going around, which I'm curious how that'll affect the Jets on Sunday. Maybe it won't be anything. It seems like that's going around the entire league. Maybe it'll affect some fatigue. Who knows? Maybe some guys won't play. I know Clemens hasn't practiced yet. Maybe somebody else gets sick on Friday night. So we got that to worry about, I guess. But um, the bigger story, Max Mitchell, who, you know, uh, thoughts, prayers go out to him. I know he, his dad said he had found blood clots in his, in his lung and his calf. So hopefully everything's good with, with Max. But obviously he's out for the rest of the year. Um, they say it shouldn't be like a long-term thing for him, that he should be good to go. Um, but the Jets, man, just keep getting hammered at offensive tackle. And at this point... It's like uh, you you raised a great point to me, though, that they're getting lucky, though, a little bit with the guys returning. It seems like a guy returns yeah. and then that week somebody goes down. Um, but it's like Becton in preseason. Then they bring in Dwayne Brown and then it, uh, who went down. I think it was Dwayne Brown went down and then Fant went down and then they converted AVT to left tackle yeah, and played a little bit. plot like, twists in this. Mitchell went down. Keep track of it. A boy, he came in and played well and then he went down and. Now it's like, yeah, Fan comes back and now Mitchell's out again. It's just, it's been a revolving door there. And it, you know, it, it, I was about to say sets the stage, but I feel like I shouldn't say it. It sets the Jets up for December football with two tackles, one playing with a torn rotator cuff, one who's missed plenty of games in his career. And if either of them go down, I don't really know what the Jets do. I mean, I know they have Mike Remmers, whose shout out went to my high school, but no offense. I don't know if he's very good. Um, Hopefully he's not listening to that, but it's like if the Jets is Brown or Fant, man, uh, they're in a bad spot. So that definitely adds some pressure to the season. So what did you make of uh, some of the injury news this week and then the offensive tackles moving forward? Well, yeah, it's definitely tough from a depth perspective. I mean, like you said, they've kind of been lucking out here where they haven't entered a disastrous spot because guys keep coming back just in time for someone else to go out. It's like they're only allowed to have a certain number of healthy tackles at once. That's the limit the football gods have set <laughs> on it. But um, it, it, I'm ex- excited about having Fant back. I really am because, I mean, it, I feel like it's been lost by a lot of people. Butter him up. How good butter, he was. butter him up before his performance. Butter him up. I, I, I'm, it, I don't Are you being, you're being legit. It. If, like, look, that's part of it. But uh, <laughs> I think we're pretty honest, and I wouldn't be saying it if I don't think it was legitimate. I I definitely think he and like the numbers are there. The film was there. I put out an article showing some of his film. I think he played yeah, really kidding. good in this Vikings game. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. But, you know, you're playing against Daniel Hunter and Zadari Smith, maybe the best edge duo in the league, and him and Brown were locking down. I mean, the Jets had to drop back over sixty times. And these guys only combined to get five pressures between them. And they usually average about 10 a game. So they were, their production was cut in half versus what they usually do with the Jets having to pass a very high number of times. Um, and you look at Fant, I think he was healthy because beginning of the season he was struggling. And, you know, you, it, it, was, it was odd to watch because he was so good last year. But then you get the justification that he wasn't fully healed from the knee injury. So he goes on IR and you hope that you can get him back healthy. And back in full form by the end of the season, he comes back against the Vikings and you watch him play. And I think he looked back to his peak form. I mean, his explosiveness out of his stance, just the quickness of his footwork, uh, just at the point of the point of attack with with his strength, maintaining blocks. It looked better 
like there's more confidence in that knee holding up the lower body strength to anchor down. It all looked a lot better. And I think you got that top tier pass blocking tackle we saw last year. And I know it was at left tackle when he had his production in 2021, but I don't think left tackle is part of it because, you know, pre 2021, his pressure rate at right tackle is actually much lower than when he was at left tackle. So there wasn't really any evidence he was better at left tackle. I just think last year was his breakout because he started football so late. He didn't play it until his last year of college. So in terms of being a football player, this really is the beginning of his prime, even though he's older in terms of you know his actual age. I think in terms of being a football player, that was just his breakout year. I think it would have happened at right tackle. So I'm confident he can carry that over to the right side. And if he keeps playing like he did in his Vikings game and like he did last year in terms of how low his pressure numbers were, I mean, he had the third lowest pressure rate among all left tackles last season. Only gave up 18 all season. Um, so if he can keep that up, I mean, that's a huge boost for this Jets offense because they've stayed afloat and they've had decent, respectable play from Mitchell, from Aguayhi. Um, I mean, while AVT was in there, you had a short stretch of elite play before he went out. But other than that, you know, you've been surviving. But Fan, I think, is capable of giving you high-level pass protection over there. And it could set up some explosive stuff for this passing game to where you don't have to just be a quick passing offense to where you know you can be confident that you have a tackle, um, you know, tackles on both sides with the way Dwayne Brown has played sometimes this season. He's been a little inconsistent, but you have the confidence to where these guys can hold up and you can drop back and throw the ball and you don't always have to rush it out. So I, I think they benefited from that in the Vikings game with some of their downfield completions later in the game. Um, so I'm optimistic about Fant, but the depth without Mitchell definitely is a question mark. If one of these guys get hurt, which based on the way the season has, go- has gone so far, seems kind of inevitable. Hopefully not, though. Yeah, the other thing with Fan is he's such a great scheme fit for this outside yeah. zone system. And yeah. they have two guards right now losing Elijah Vera Tucker. I think, you know, Nate Herbig has been awesome. I really hope the Jets bring him back. He's only 24, by the way, um, yeah. which I don't know if I fully realized. Um, but they're both, him and Lakin, like, obviously they can both pull and, and run the offense. But they're both their games, I feel like, are are predicated on power and having a guy on the offensive line who you trust can get outside, get in front, be a lead blocker. You know, his natural athleticism is huge for this offensive line. So getting a guy like Fant back is, is awesome because yeah, not only are you more confident in him as a pass protector than Mitchell, his skill set suits this running game so well, you know, you want to run those stretch plays, those toss plays, whatever to to bam night on the right side. You can do that because you got George Fant getting out in front of him. Um, so yeah, very curious to see how that uh, develops. We we talked a little. You talked a little bit about his performance in the Vikings game. Was there anybody else that stood out to you in a good or a bad way? Got to sit back or sit back, watch yeah. the coaches' film. Uh, what were some of your other thoughts from uh, from the Vikings game before we talk about Buffalo? Well, I'm curious to hear your thoughts too. I guess I'll start with mine on Mike White and how he played in this game. Um, you go ahead and tell me what you think once I kind of sum it up. But I think okay. for me, I mean, I like this game from Mike White. A lot. I don't think it was as sharp as the Bears game. It was definitely more inconsistent. There were some mistakes in there, but for the most part, I think he was really solid. And again, yeah. like it was imperfect. And I'll, you know, say some of the things that I thought, you know, were on the negative side in this game. I mean, his accuracy at times was imperfect. You know, he had good general accuracy where he's getting the ball there, it was catchable. But you know, there were some passes that were a little bit behind, a little bit high. So it wasn't 
totally perfect in the accuracy department, although the receivers didn't do the greatest job in those 50-50 situations. They probably should have caught at least a couple more of those. Um, you know, obviously, the Barrios play at the end being the most notable one. Definitely a little bit behind Barrios if he puts it out in front. It's an easier catch, but still one I probably blame the receiver for more because it's still in his chest. Def- still definitely, definitely on Barrios. I mean, I, I yeah, I'd say saying, like eighty percent, twenty percent, in you know, in favor yeah. of Barrios. I guess. That's Joe why, why does a guy in his face? And if you look, that's one right. of the few throws where his where his feet aren't really planted. They look actually more like Zach Wilson's feet, where they're uh, parallel yeah. to the line of scrimmage. It's kind of an arm and, angle throw. Yeah, he had to get around getting the, around the D line. I know what you so, mean, though. He's not necessarily he's accurate, but he's not necessarily always precise. Right, that's and, and that's the thing, like about with you know throws and quarterbackings. Like, look at every single NFL throw that's you know at least you know beyond the line of scrimmage, not a checkdown. What percentage of them are absolutely perfect? It's it's not Very a high percentage. Probably got to get it, get in the catch radius, like a quarter. Yeah. So it's nice if you can do that, but. To expect a guy to be perfect in every single throw is way too high of an expectation. Especially, especially in his, it there. Especially in what his fifth start is that what it was? Yeah, fifth start. It's just what you don't want to do is have you know, not to make the comparisons, but you just don't want to have you know what Zach Wilson was doing at times where the accuracy is so off that the receiver has no shot at it. That's what you don't want, and, and consistently off, and consistently right. So, like, yeah, you would like him to be more on target. And I think he is capable of being more on target than he was in this Vikings game, like the Bears game. Um, so, yeah, so there were some throws that were imperfect. Um, the Garrett Wilson throw, the deep bomb, would love to have that back, but he definitely bounced back and made, I think, at least three elite throws after that. So he definitely made up for it. Um, and there was one play where Elijah Moore kind of got open on a on a vertical route where he missed him. But, I mean, it was one I would like him to hit, but it wasn't egregious because he would have to, you know, get to his third read and really notice a coverage bust to get to it. So those are some of the mistakes. But the big time throws he made in this game, both the number of them and how good they were, was it's some of the most high level stuff I've seen from any Jets quarterback over the past few years. And you know they've had Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson, who are very talented guys, and it's Mike White who comes out here, the supposed game manager who makes. Some of these big time throws. I mean, just the number of tight window completions. Some of them pressured, some of them not. But um, just with anticipation with touch, like the one to Corey Davis right after uh, he missed Garrett Wilson deep. Uh, then the fourth and ten throw, getting up after a big hit, and then it throws into an impossible window while getting pressured and you know sliding away from the pressure. That's one of the best throws I've seen from a Jets quarterback. Um, the end of the first half, the sideline throw we had to Garrett Wilson, that was a minuscule window. Um, and then the final drive, when they you know, were making their last-ditch attempt to uh, tie the game, he has another throw where he floats it over underneath defenders, drops it in to Garrett Wilson. So the high points in this game were really, really high, and he had a lot of them. Um, and I also think there were a number of plays where the receivers kind of let him down. Um, well, there's one play in the red zone where he did throw a pretty good ball to Garrett Wilson on an out route, but Wilson kind of got held while he was in the middle of the route, so it made it look like the ball was off, but he put it where it should be. Wilson got held. He didn't get there in time, so that was unfortunate, but there was one right. play where he tried to hit Elijah Moore in like a wheel route, but he kind of quit on the route a little bit, didn't get to the spot. And then there was the sideline throw at the end of the first half. Really good ball on the sideline. Moore couldn't get his feet in. 
So there were some plays like that. And I think he got unlucky on one red zone play. He's trying to hit Corey Davis on a little post route, something in breaking. And it looked like it was going to be there, but it gets deflected at the line. So that was unfortunate. Yeah. Um, overall, though, really like this game. It's unfortunate they couldn't get the win to kind of back up the hype and keep it going. And, you know, he has two fluky interceptions that make his stats look bad. But you turn on the film and you watch how he played. I'm very impressed. So were you just as impressed with this performance as I was? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think, look, we said it. We have to see this game against Buffalo is huge. Because if he goes out there going. and yeah, for sure. if he plays at the same level, um, and that doesn't even mean he has to throw three hundred yards. Even if it's just if he's able to manage the game and the Jets play competitively, um, that'll do a lot in solidifying everything that we've seen. But I think what last Sunday did show me is it did solidify that the Jets have an NFL quarterback. You know, it's is he going to be the starter for next year? I don't know. Is he going to be the starter all the way until the end of the season? I don't know. But at this point, I'm feeling a lot better about those answers than I was when. Zach Wilson first went down and I thought Mike White would play well, um, but he's living up to everything and probably a little bit more than I thought he could yeah. be because you're seeing that arm talent that he actually does have like that, right. that conception of him being a dink and done quarterback, like sure, like he'll take what's there, but he certainly has a hell of an arm. I mean, you could just see it in the velocity that he's throwing. We haven't seen him. We did see it a little bit through like straight downfield nine balls post routes you know like 45 50 yards down the throw i think uh, down the field i think he only had a few he missed the one to garrett wilson by you know a foot and then he had another deep post to garrett wilson that I actually thought was pretty nice ball placement but on those you know a, a 20 yard dig or a uh, a 15 yard out route far hash like the arm pa- strength that you have yeah. to have in order to complete that throw especially you see some of the tight windows he's fitting into is legit um, I think the thing that stands out to me with Mike White, and I was thinking about this, is how many times over the last few years have we said about a guy or a prospect, including a few Jets quarterbacks, like, I wonder what he would have been like if he got a chance to sit right away. Like, if he just wasn't just thrown right to the wolves uh, in the NFL. Because being an NFL quarterback is a, almost a ridiculous task when you think about how hard it is. And, you know, you draft a kid straight out of college, and he's thrown right in there, and he doesn't really even know what he's doing. And he's becoming an adult, too, at the same time. Like, there's all these things. He has to mature. And he has to learn how to read NFL defenses. He's trying to hold a new playbook in his head. He's trying to gel with his teammates and learning about what life is like in the NFL. All that stuff. Mike White is one of the few guys that actually did get the chance to just sit. And like, yeah, he wasn't a highly touted draft pick. um, But, you know, because he was able to have a, you know, 2019 with the Cowboys or 2018 with the Cowboys, goes through that year, gets some preseason reps, goes through his first training camp, whatever, gets cut. With the Jets in 2019, same thing. Scout team reps in the film room with an NFL team. Then uh, 2020, same thing. 2021, finally in year four, right? I did my math right. Yeah, okay, sorry. I'm yep. English English guy, not a not a math science guy. Um, year four, he finally gets his his first start. You know, and then he gets another year to sit on that in the same system, and then come back, and then halfway through his fifth season, 18, 19, 20, 21, 20 I'm still yep. I'm still right. I can count to five. Halfway through his fifth season. Uh, he's finally a starting quarterback. And you see, even though it's his fifth game, he feels like a veteran out there. He feels in control. He feels like he knows what he's doing. But at the same time, because it's only his fifth start, you still should be optimistic about, well, what else can this guy do? Like, how much better can he get now that he's actually get, seeing live bullets? You know, he's built a great base just in practice and in the film room and on his own time. But now he's facing it for real. And Zach Wilson even said, because I said like a month ago, a reporter asked him, like, you know, how valuable are like practice reps? And he basically just said, 
the only reps that are really valuable are in game, which maybe was a little short sighted. Hopefully that he'll he'll get some of what Mike White got and gets to sit for a little bit and take a breath and really soak in what it means to be an NFL quarterback and, and what that means. But from Mike White's perspective, now he's seen the live bullets, but he has a great foundation. Now it's like, where can he take this? Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, is he limited athletically in terms of like, yeah, he's not a very mobile quarterback. We certainly saw that on Sunday at times, a little yeah. hesitant to run, but he has enough mobility more so than Flacco to like get out of sacks or run the bootlegs. Um, but we've seen uh, like, if we were to watch a cut up of that Vikings game and let's just say it wasn't against the Minnesota Vikings, it was against, I don't know, Tennessee, whatever college team. And you watch that as a college court, be like, damn, this guy's freaking good. Like six, yeah. five strong arms, super accurate. Look how he's throwing with anticipation and all, all that stuff feels like it doesn't apply to Mike White. Cause he's 27, but it's like, this is still a guy and is entering his sixth career start. And three times he's hit the field for the jets four, if you want to count the Colts, He's been lights out and he's had yeah. one bad game and then one game where he came in, you know, against the Patriots and moved the ball or whatever. But like pretty much every time he's been on the field, he's been absolutely money. So my favorite phrase is about to come up, Michael. It's possible he turns into a pumpkin. There it is. There it is. There it is. You know, finally, I think I told you Rich uh, Rich Eisen used that phrase uh, talking about Mike he's White. He's probably said it for longer recently. than me. If we're, if we're being honest, Rich Eisen has probably said that before I have. Or he just but. stole it from you. Yeah, I'm crazy huge CYJ fan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just feel like, uh, you know, you have to be optimistic with Mike White. But yeah. a lot of it comes down to the Sunday. You know, he, yeah, he can I still mean, have a clunker of a game and then I'd still think right. roll with him. And if he has a good game against Detroit and then a good game in primetime against Jets, you, you could still feel good about the Jets' playoff chances. But if he goes into Buffalo yeah. and plays like he's been playing and the Jets sneak out a win and sweep the Bills, the Jets are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Because they've all yeah. shown they can beat anybody in the league. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, this is huge for White for so many reasons. Um, you know, it's a team that sent him to the bench last year, made him look human. Um, it's an elite defense after, you know, you played, and that's going to be, you know, the narrative of these two games. It's like, oh, he did against Chicago. Oh, he did against Minnesota. And that's totally legitimate to say. So you, to do it against an elite defense on the road that squashed you last year would say so much, especially in this spot with how important it is for the Jets' playoff hopes. It would mean a lot. But I guess what I would say in regards to like the quality of the defenses he's faced, the first thing I would say is both of these two teams, teams that they played, the Jets put up the most yards on them that anyone has put on them this season. The 466 against the Bears, season high for Chicago. 486 against the Vikings, season high for them. So even relative to that, it was very, very good offense. Um, and then you, you look at the Minnesota tape and – Regardless of what the Vikings have been this season, the coverage in this game was tight. They did not look yeah. like a last yeah. ranked pass defense in this game. No. Like the throws Mike White had to make, I mean, like you just, if you're watching the game, uh, which hopefully everyone did and they don't just look at the box score. Um, <laughs> no, you, you, watch you the just game, listen like, to the pods. Well, you, don't have, you don't have to watch yeah, it. Yeah, like that's just everyone, like they're, they just, it's, it's like just listening to like an audio book or a story. Like yeah, they just want to exactly. hear it through the podcast form. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, there's nothing easy about what he was doing. Maybe the Vikings are usually bad, but in this game, I feel like they were winning the battles in terms of covering routes, um, having the right coverages called for what the Jets were calling offensively. He had to make tough throws. Nothing was easy. I would, I would say the pass protection was good. He got some help there. But um, in terms of, it was kind of the opposite of what you expected. You thought the pass rush would be the issue and the coverage would be bad, but they did shut down the pass rush. I will say, though. The coverage was tight. 
Yeah. I will say though, the last play of the game, if Dwayne Brown holds up for one more sack, yeah. the Jets, yeah. the Jets win that game. Because the only reason he throws to Corey Davis right there is just because that's the read he's on when, when uh, I forget exactly who, who was it. Do you know who is pressuring? Uh, off of Dwayne Brown's. I forget. I forget exactly who it was. Exactly. I know exactly Whatever. Who you're talking about. But defender. Yeah. He can feel the defender breathing on him, and he has to throw it. But if, if Dwayne Brown doesn't get, he, who by the way just gets beat off or beat straight, straight off the snap, um, and you know because of that, he's on Garrett Wilson first, switches to uh, Corey Davis, pressures there, he has to throw it. But if he gets an extra half a second, he gets to either read number three and goes to Elijah Moore, who's open, who either gets into the ends and the Jets win or gets tackled at like the two or one yard line and the Jets have to scramble and spike the ball or whatever. Or he comes back to Garrett Wilson, who I kind of feels like he was going to get open in the back of the end zone there. If you look, he's behind Davis. He still yeah, has a guy in the area. Definitely but, better shot than what he did try, which was his only option at that point. So, right. You, know, you don't but, fault him for it. Exactly. But meaning if he had that extra second, right. if, if, if Dwayne Brown held up, he's either hitting Elijah Moore for a big completion and potential game winner or he's going to find Garrett Wilson back right corner of the end zone for the game winner. So I will say the pass rush did let him down in the end. Um, and that yeah, play, and then the other it. the other play that bugged me, and you put it out, was the the play right before that, the third down, yeah. where he where he was running and or he's rolling right, and you felt like either a he could scramble, get ten yards, get out of bounds, put the Jets in a in a better situation. B, do what he tries to do, which is throw to Elijah Moore. But he kind of misses the pass, and maybe Elijah should have brought it down. Whatever, it was a little outside, little little bit of both. Or th- option three was Denzel Mims was wide open, and it's a little tough to fault Mike White because one, he's already locked into the open guy and more, um, and Mims is you know running a dig going left. But you would have also there was nobody in the same zip code as Mims, and so you almost wish he would just kind of uh, sit in the open space. I don't know exactly how they coach it. Maybe you know, I think they had, I don't know if it was Conklin. Somebody else was coming to kind of maybe fill that space. So maybe he's just told to keep running his route. But with White rolling uh, right, even with Mims uh, running route to the left, he still could have thrown it. But if Mims had even just sat down in that open space, he yeah. is wide open. There wasn't anybody. He could have stood in the end zone and had didn't have a single Viking within 10 yards of him. Um, yeah. So that played I mean, I think, I, think what, I think that's more for that to have been an option. I think Mims should have improvised better because, I mean, you know, White was going right, Mims was going left. You'd, you'd kind of have to throw it across his body. And Harrison Smith was over there. He wasn't close to him yet, but based on the trajectory of that throw, he would be able to kind of get in the way. So, I mean, I think Mims just kind of should have sat it, maybe moved with them a little right. better. But that was a that throw right there is probably one of the one of the bigger White mistakes because Elijah Moore improvised pretty good, and he had room on the sideline there with plenty of separation. If White puts it on him. It's a completion, it's first down, and you got probably four shots to have another chance to win this game. But uh, White missed it. So um, those improvised throws, in the, I think he's good in the in-structure rollouts, like just you know play fake, bootleg. But the you know out-of-structure athleticism and movement, maybe not his best trait. We kind of saw it there. Well, now now um, that he's facing live bullets, maybe he gets better at it. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, yeah. So overall, I guess the biggest thing about these two games for White for me, is the way he's exceeded expectations with some of the, you know, higher-end kind of skills. Because, you know, I expected him to come in, hit the easy throws, check the ball down, uh, complete passes at a decently high percentage, and just do some of that basic stuff right. But uh, I did not expect him to, you know, make some of the throws he made against the Bears, those third and medium, tight window slants, and then 
Minnesota, third and long, second and long, just firing lasers, 15 yards down the field, 20 yards. Um, that's the stuff I didn't expect to see. So it's hard not to be excited when, you know, he's still doing all that stuff we knew he would be good at, or at least felt confident he'd be good at. Um, just the simpler stuff, managing the game, all that. But then complementing that with, okay, you need me to drop back 60 times, be clutch, and make tight window throws one after the next. I can do that too. So that's what has me excited. But just like you said, let's see him go do it on the road against Buffalo. That's when you could really start taking him seriously and thinking like, okay, now maybe we have something here. Right now, still still pretty early. I think it's been an awesome two games, but still two games. And, and you could, you know, couple it with what he did last year but um still small sample but if you can go into buffalo and keep this going and, and not even doesn't even have to be at the same rate in terms of 300 plus yard games you could still hold him to that same standard be expected coming in just manage the game and you know be an effective quarterback against this elite defense maybe in the snow looking at the forecast um as long as he could do that it would be great but if he can come close to what he did in these last two games against Buffalo, then it's it's hard to ignore what he's been well, doing. Well, I will but say, either way, I'm term, so impressed. In terms of the weather, we in terms of the weather, we already saw him throw for 300 yards and right, yeah, monsoon. So. That's what gives you even more confidence that he's already shown you that. Yeah, so I guess with that, let's talk about the Bills. If you have any other thoughts on on some guys who stood out to you against Minnesota, maybe just weave them into some of these answers. Um. Because I, let's just let's just talk about this matchup. Because one of the things that really jumps out is how different these two teams look right. compared to their first meeting. The Bills lose Von Miller for the year, which is a, a very big loss. But in their first matchup, they didn't have Jordan Poyer, who's back. They didn't have Tre'Davious White, who's back, and they didn't have Matt Milano, who's arguably the, one of the best linebackers in the league, if not the best linebacker in the league. And he is questionable. He hasn't practiced. We're recording this Thursday night, so he hasn't practiced Wednesday or today. We'll see what, what's up Friday and what, what his game status is. But regardless, the Bills got, I would say, better, even losing Von Miller. I mean, they basically get back the defense they had last year, which was the number one defense in the league. Um, so definitely a tough task for the Jets. But for the Jets, especially in offense, they get some big improvements. They go from a guy in Zach Wilson who is, you know, really struggling second year and bringing in a guy like Mike White who's coming off of back-to-back 300-yard games. You feel like the Jets have upgraded there. At right tackle, they go from a Boyhu who filled in admirably, but to a guy like George Fant, who seems like he could be a legitimate plus. They still have Mims, but they now have Corey Davis healthy. You can start in that role. You, uh, you pointed this out, which is a great point. Elijah Moore no longer in the doghouse. He's finally getting a good amount of targets and reps. So he now seems like a factor. The resurgence of, or not even resurgence, the uh, appearance of Bam Knight in this Jets offense really changed things for this Jets running game. They finally have that explosive fact that they they missed when Brees went down. Um, so all of those things, Michael, it's a, it feels like two completely different teams. Um, I the, oh, and the Jets get Sheldon Rankins back too, who yep. who played 10 snaps, had a, a strip sack, and then got hurt. So yeah. both teams are better. Um, you can argue which one, but it's, it's just a different matchup. So what do you make about the differences in the first matchup and this matchup, and then maybe how it'll affect how the Bills and Jets play this thing. Oh, I mean, I think both teams are looking better coming into this one, other than, you know, Von Miller being out, which is a pretty big loss. I mean, he had a strip sack in that first Jets game that took points away. Um, so that's a huge loss, but they've sure Davies White back, and he's been ramping up his first two games back. Maybe this is the first game where he plays full snaps. First game he barely played. 
Last game he played, I think, about 60%. Now they've had 10 days rest. Um, so this could be his first fully played game. Jordan Poyer's being back is huge. This year they're 8-0 with Poyer. They're 1-3 when Poyer doesn't play. So he's very important for them. Um, and then Matt Milano is a huge X factor. You know, we'll see if he plays in this game. It's not looking great right now. Hasn't practiced through Thursday. And that's with all that extra rest. So if he doesn't go, I think maybe with Miller also being out, then they kind of cancel out. Maybe the Bills are about the same as last time. If he does play, then I think they're improved because his coverage ability at linebacker is as good as it gets. And, you know, when you're a Jets team that's going to want to, you know, take some elements of the, that last game plan against the Bills, you know, play it safe, especially in this weather that might come, um, play it safe, get the ball out quick. Coverage, good coverage linebackers can shut that down with their ability to diagnose yeah. screens, make tackles in the flat, make good reads, and, you know, take away passing lanes over the middle. Um, they can be a huge and, obstacle in that. Yeah. And think about what Mike White loves to do. He loves going over the middle, intermediate. Yeah. yeah you know, he's exactly. been intercepted by linebackers before. He's had yeah. a few close calls. That that second level of the point. defense is, is, you know, vulnerable for Mike White if there's a really good uh, pass uh, coverage linebacker. There. Yeah. So Milano is huge. I mean, that's, that's the one to watch. And, you know, Poyer and White being back, definitely big boost, but Miller is also out. Um, but you look at Matt Milano, if he doesn't go, I think it's a big one that the Jets can take advantage of. If he does, then this is a it's a tough Bills defense either way, but I think it's a whole different animal if Matt Milano is out there. So we'll keep an eye on that one. And then you look at the Jets side, like you mentioned. I mean, quarterback, go from Wilson to White. And granted, Zach Wilson played good in that game. It was the one good game he played out of his final five before he went out. Um, so Mike White does have to live up to that. Um, but I think the Jets will play differently with Mike White because I think part of the reason Zach Wilson played well is because the Jets felt like they had to simplify things so much to make it work. And, you know, part of the reason you could do that is because Matt Milano wasn't there and that changed so much about defending that quick game. Um, but if Milano's back, and, and either way, just because of having Mike White and the confidence the Jets have shown in him throwing the ball down the field, uh, I think the Jets will open it up a little bit more. They'll do some of that quick game. Again, especially considering the weather. Um, but I think they're going to try to open it, open it up a little bit more than they did last time, especially since the Bills are – I doubt they're going to let the Jets beat them the same way they did in that first game when it was all just RPO, it was one read, it was just quick passes, very little down the field besides one deep shot to Mims on the first play. Um, so I don't think the Bills are going to allow that to happen. I think the Jets are going to have to air it out, and I think they feel confident Mike White can do that, especially with – Von Miller being out and George Fant being in. I think that's going to help them uh, have confidence in that drop back passing game. But I mean, like you said, Zonovan Knight is in instead of James Robinson, who has not been much of a playmaker this year while Knight has. Um, Corey Davis is back. He didn't play in that previous game. Sheldon Rankins was very effective, but barely played before he was injured. He's back. So Jets have a lot going for them offensively. Um, specifically on the offensive side compared to that last game. I think on paper, it looks like a more talented unit. So we'll see Definitely. if they can use that to, you know, be able to compete in this game similar to how they did last time, but in a different fashion. Because like I said, I think, I think Buffalo is going to adjust and make the Jets beat them in different ways. So we'll see if the Jets can use some of these added weapons compared to the previous game and find a new way to succeed against this Bills defense. 
Yeah, the other thing that, that jumps out to me about Vaughn Miller being out is the Bills like to like the Jets try to win with four. They try to win with yeah. their four down defensive linemen. And if they're not getting pressure on White, which I think he's shown that if you give him time in the pocket, he's going to find the open guy, they're going to have to blitz him. But Mike White has also been very good against the blitz. Right. So that Vaughn Miller, uh, especially with the Jets' kind of shaky left ta- or shaky tackle situation, I know the two guys they have in are good, but if one were to go down in this game, is huge. Because if Vaughn Actually, Miller plays... You know, if one of them does go down, you're looking at a rematch of that 2015 Super Bowl <laughs> when Vaughn Miller... I was so dominant against Remmers that he won Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, so we so, do not want so, to see that. So good thing uh, Vaughn is is out for the Jets, but you know, never cheer for anybody's injuries. But I guess if the Bills were able to win with just their four down linemen, I think I would be a little bit more concerned about this game, especially when you think about the the players they have in the back end. But with Vaughn Miller out, I don't. I, I like this matchup for the Jets' offensive line. Not to say that the Bills don't have other pass rushers and that they can't dial up some blitzes and get some pressure on White, but I think they're going to have to get creative to get pressure on, on on Mike White and force the ball out of his hands. And Mike White has shown that if you blitz him, he knows where to go with the football. And if you're not going to blitz him, I think the Jets are also going to have some running lanes and running opportunities. Like they won't be able to uh, put as many guys in the box if if they're not going to blitz him and and they're just trying to win with four. It's like but they're not getting there, then the Jets are going to win that battle in the trenches and they'll be able to run the football. So that's a big uh, advantage for the Jets with Von Miller being out. But yeah, Milano is and Poyer are, are, and Trinity's way are all amazing football players. So I think both teams are improved, which makes me excited about this matchup. How do you think, If there's, is there anything you think the Bills will do differently? I know the Jets will, like you said, probably have to change things up. But in the way that the Bills look at this game and try to attack... Mike White, and then on the flip side of things, offensively, how they t- try to attack this Jets defense. When they look at that first matchup, what do you think they'll they'll say? You know what, we we got to shake this up. Well, it's interesting with Mike White because you know, like we said, he's kind of unleashed this new element of his game that you didn't expect to be there. So he's you know a little bit more of a multifaceted quarterback than maybe he was coming into this year because you know he's shown you that he'll throw the ball down the field, he'll challenge tight windows. And he's not afraid to attack you. But what I think is interesting is because the Bills are usually a very heavy kind of too high coverage team, two safeties back deep. But against the Jets in the last game, they switched to playing a lot of more single high coverage because that's what everyone was doing against Zach Wilson because they just didn't, they weren't afraid of him beating them deep. Um, So they made that adjustment, which was unusual for them. But I wonder if they change back in this game because what do we say Mike White's really good at? Attacking the middle of the field. And I think if you play too high coverage, kind of leaves that open a little bit more than if you play, you know, single high coverage. So are, are they going to stick with what they did last time, even though it's a different quarterback, just because it kind of works to take away Mike White's middle of the field game? Or, you know, are you going to go back to your bread and butter? So I'm interested, interested to see that. And then also the blitzing, like you said, with no Von Miller, are they going to turn that up to try and find new ways to generate pressure? Um, zone blitzes, that's an interesting part of this because those picks he threw against the Bills last year, um, at least one of them I know was two linebacker. I don't think it was Milano, but I think he's... Edmonds? Mike White has... Edmonds, yeah. Um, he's shown some susceptibility to linebackers maybe undercutting him, such as you know that one throw against the Bears, which I still think was a great throw because I love the aggressiveness to try it, and he had enough touch on it to just get it by him. But there was that one throw against the Bears where the linebacker did have a beat on it, but 
potentially had a chance to make a great interception. So there is that aspect of his game. And I think you could get him with some of those, you know, some of those blitzes where, you you know, you're dropping your linebacker off the line of scrimmage. Hopefully he doesn't see it. Maybe he can undercut it. So, so I guess those are some of the things I would look at. Uh, I guess, I mean, I, I do want to keep talking about uh, the, the matchup between a, a few weeks ago and the matchup that's going to take place this Sunday. But you do bring up a great point in terms of who's the one team Mike White struggled against the Bills last year. And that is a completely different matchup. The Jets are certainly a better team from that point. Yeah. The Bills are yeah. about the same, if not better, um, or maybe worse, depending on how you look at it. Um, when you go back and watch that Mike White-Bills game, I mean, what are some of the things that, that stand out to you that maybe could cripple him uh, this Sunday? I mean, I, I think he's talked about it kind of multiple times since he's been asked about it in the media. I just think he's you know, definitely playing a lot of hero ball in that game. That's what some of those interceptions were. You know, you're a big underdog at home. They they weren't in the hugest hole in the first half, actually. But, you know, they weren't definitely weren't leading most of that game. Um, so I, I think he was, you know, kind of over-aggressive. And that's the thing about Mike White. You even go back to that game. And, you know, we've seen this year he's been aggressive, taking shots downfield, but he showed signs of that in that Bills game last year. But I think it was to a reckless degree in that game, whereas this year I think he's controlled his aggressiveness a little bit better because I think at heart he's always first and foremost going to be a game manager. You know, he goes through his reads quickly. He's willing to take the check down if that's the best play. He's very willing to do it. will do it more so than most quarterbacks. So I think that will always be – what he wants to be first and foremost, but there's still that aggressive aspect to his game to where when he does have to make a throw downfield, if he thinks it's open, he will take it and he will challenge it with confidence. But I think last in last year's Bills game, it was to too confident of a degree. I think he was trying throws he should probably not have attempted. And this year, I think he's been more controlled in that aspect. And, you know, it's led to some success in these tight windows tight window situations because I think he's taking smarter, more calculated risks. So I think that will be the key in this game to keep building on what he's done the last two games in terms of, you know, playing with confidence, playing with rhythm, but don't get into that hero ball sort of mode where you feel like you have to do too much to win this game. And if he can do that and just be safe with the ball, take the check downs when that's the right play and still play that confidence when he is going downfield, but make sure to keep it controlled, then I think you should be able to be okay in terms of limiting those interceptions that he had last year. Because I mean, this season you look through two games, he hasn't thrown a real interception yet. Like, you know, he had a tipped ball interception. That was probably a penalty. And he had a last ditch, you know, interception at the end of the game and had none in the bears game. So he hasn't really thrown a real interception yet. I think he's been better at taking care of the ball and just, finding ways to control his aggressiveness, still be confident, but also in a way that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he definitely has shown improvement from uh, from last year to this year in terms of taking care of the ball. He's gotten lucky on a few occasions, but, um, you know, the turnovers will happen, but I think he's shown a good balance between being aggressive but not being reckless, which has been a tough yeah. balance for the Jets to, to find as of late. What are some of the, the big uh, matchups that, that you're – looking at for this game. I guess we can start on the Jets' offensive side of the ball. Um, I mean, I guess I guess Milano versus White is a matchup, but 
uh, on the outside of me. I feel like Garrett Wilson, Tredavious White could be a, a fun one to enjoy. Any other ones? And, and what do you think about that matchup? That's definitely a fun one. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the, these tight ends, too, because you know with Poyer back, that definitely helps you with a matchup player for tight ends. Um, uh, the linebackers have a part in that, too. And, you know, Milano's healthy. I think the Bills probably are as good from safety to linebacker as anyone in pass coverage. So um, tight ends had a rough time against this Vikings defense. I mean, Tyler Conklin was blanketed most of the game. Couldn't make some of those contested catches. You know, not the most egregious. You know, I wouldn't call them drops, but he definitely had some contested situations, and he came up short on most of them, if not all of them. So it wasn't his greatest game. Um, so those tight ends, very interested in that because you know the Jets are going to need to be able to move the ball methodically. The Bills are really good at taking away big plays, and as good as the Jets were in that last game offensively, they still didn't have many huge plays. The Bills still took that away. And then now with Poyer back, they should be even better at that. So it's tough to beat them that way, but you can beat them methodically. And I think that's more than just quick throws, screens, stuff like that. It's, you know, intermediate passes and, you know, five to 10 yards downfield, maybe a little bit deeper. And I think that's where the tight ends can come into play. And they got a tough matchup against, you know, this Bills defense. So I liked the tight end matchup. Conklin got to separate because, He's a, he's a great route runner. That's a, the best part of his game. And this last game wasn't as sharp in that area as, as usual. So going to need better from him in this game against a tough matchup. Well, yeah. And the other thing when you play these types of games and you want to win in a methodical fashion, and really in any fashion, but controlling the line of scrimmage, winning in the trenches. And I think right. that is why the Jets won the first time these two teams faced is the Jets won the battle in the trenches on both yeah. sides of the football. Are there any matchups offensively or defensively in the trenches that you're, you're really keeping an eye on um, for the Jets to that'll maybe help them win on Sunday or maybe cost them? I actually do have really in, an interesting one for the Bills offensive line. So last game, their right tackle was out, Spencer Brown, and he got right. replaced by David Questenberry, who was on the Titans last year, and the Jets destroyed him in that game they played at MetLife. And like I was looking at that, and I thought this could be a good matchup, especially for Bryce Huff. He beat him last year for a sack. And there it is, fourth quarter, Bryce Huff gets him for a strip sack. Um, so they won't get that in this game because Spencer Brown is back. But since Spencer Brown has come back, um, forget exactly what injury he had. But since he's been back from that injury, he missed a few games. He, he's been one of the worst right tackles in the league. He's given up a lot of pressures, much more than he was at the beginning of the season. So despite that, uh, you know, despite the fact that he's back and you're not playing a backup this time, I think his recent production suggests that he's still a guy you can exploit. So I'm looking at Bryce Huff on that side. Um, I'm looking at Jermaine Johnson. And can they be able to take advantage of that matchup um, at right tackle? Um, and then the rest of the offensive line, I mean, Carl Lawson against Deion Dawkins. That's a great strength for strength. Are we going to get the Carl December breakout? We got to get that. We got to get that, right? I mean, maybe set it up for listeners who don't know. Yeah, like 2019, 2020, he did that. Um, December, he had a huge uptick in his pressures and all of his pass rush stats. So he's the theme of doing that. I mean, he's a guy who suffered a lot of injuries. So, you know, it makes sense that, you know, maybe sometimes. He takes his time to ramp up, and he finishes the season strong. So this is another situation like that. And you know, Carl Lawson this year, and 
you tell me what you think. I mean, I think we're on the same page, but I'm, I'm a little disappointed this year. I think he's been good. He's been good. He's definitely an above-average edge rusher. But I think when they signed him, I was expecting to get, like, one of the top 10 to 15, maybe even top five, you know, edge pass rushers in the league. And this year he's he's just been he's just been pretty good. You know, he's kind of different than what he was. I feel like now he's a guy who who does get the sacks and, you know, he comes up with a big sack seemingly every game um, when the Jets really need it. But the consistent wins and consistent pressure, I don't see as much as I did when he's with the Bengals. So uh, not quite as consistent as I hoped and not to talk about the off season, but I think he's definitely trending towards maybe being a guy the Jets try to move on from, whether it's, you know, trade, cut, whatever. Yeah, but, they'd, they'd uh, I think 15, he's capable of a lot more. So what do you think, Carl Lawson? Well, they'd free $15 million yeah. if they, uh, and they'll be not like crazy tight for cap space, but they're gonna have to make some move, uh, make some room because they're going to give Quinn an extension. They got some big extensions yeah. to look forward to. And, um, so, you know, Corey Davis and Carl Lawson are the two guys they can cut. If they cut both of them slash trade, 25 million off the cap. Corey Davis free 10, Carl Lawson free 15. I don't, I think both those guys are good enough that they would probably trade them and, and somebody would pay for them. Um, but yeah, unless Carl Lawson has a dominant, uh, December, I don't know if he's back here next year, but maybe that's a little too early to say, but just because, you know, the Jets have Jermaine Johnson, they have Bryce Huff, they maybe want to pay, right. they could draft, right. you know, they have, um, they have a pipeline there. They have a pipeline there. Right. And um, so we'll see what happens. there. But, so they're, they are in a good yeah. spot. And I think that, I think that Carl Lawson has been good. Just, I think our expectations for him because of the type of offseason that he had in, in 20, uh, 2021 were so high. And look, an Achilles injury like that, he may never be the same, but he also may be the same, but it, it could take two years. Like that is an injury that you're not always the right. same. You're not really ever the same right off the bat and maybe he'll get to a point where uh it's not like i watch him and i think wow he looks so much slower there's a there's a little bit there that you feel like he's maybe lost just a split second of of that burst and also like you described him accurately like he's just kind of like a big wrecking ball out there like yeah. that's great he's, he's creating pressure he's moving the pocket but he's not really chaining those moves together um right, that right. you saw that pass rushing repertoire that you saw in, in cincinnati he's not really doing that um, but I still think he's a good player. And I still think, like you said, he, he's primed to have a big December and the jets, certainly if they want to make a playoff push, they got to get between either him, Clemens or Johnson. Somebody has to become a, a, uh, a presence there off the edge. They all make the, an impact. They all get some pressures. And, but like, if they could get either a Jermaine Johnson, big December or Carl Lawson, who's probably the most likely candidate, or even a guy like Clemens, or maybe Huff gets more rep. They just need somebody off the edge. I know JFM has been a lot better, but um, as, of, as of late, he's really come on the last few weeks. But they need somebody off the edge to to, to really consistently win. Um, you know, so we'll see. We'll see how uh, how Carl does on Sunday. But I like that matchup. I think that's a good one to point out. Any other yeah, ones? I mean, I, I'm just going to talk more about Lawson. I mean, no, I guess like, like you said, that's how I described his game to you. I feel like he's kind of just a wrecking ball right now. It's like he gets off the ball and he bull rushes and – that's about it. Like, I don't see as much combination of the moves as you saw at the Bengals. Like, I felt like he had inside moves. Like, he could set up outside, come back in. I felt like he would, you know, was a little bit better at getting around the edge with just, you know, chopping the hands down, getting a rip, getting around the corner. Like, right now, I feel like he kind of is just a bull rusher, which, you know, isn't the worst thing because he, you know, he gets his sacks. He's got 
six of them this year, and uh, two of those were half sacks, so he really has seven sacks. Um, 19 quarterback hits. Um, pressures are decent, but just not at the same level as, as it used to be. And he's also really good on stunts, and you know that wrecking ball mentality helps on that when when he's just crashing inside the tackle has to come with him because he yeah that's gets in that's there so true. fast and i know, think tackles are able to get out there so he is good on the stunts that's a big part i yeah i think he's definitely helped quinn and williams out a lot you know yeah, you look definitely. at the type of season yeah. quinn's had having a guy like lawson next to him who packs that punch and is uh as expl- like even if he's just a wrecking ball that's still extremely helpful for the jets it's just yeah. is that a 15 Especially million dollar wrecking play. ball <laughs> it's good to have right Right, but look, I'm excited for him, and also if he goes off on Sunday, we'll have to slander him on every pod for for the rest of history. Because I feel like I feel like we're setting him up to like, hey, we haven't been that impressed with Carl Lawson, and then bang, two and a half sack game, forced fumble. That tends you know, to happen. It tends to happen does, on the podcast. That does happen we sometimes. Call someone out, and then they break out. And you know, you know why I think that happens a lot is because I think when a guy gets to a point where he's overdue to play better that's when you start noticing it so it just happens to be the perfect time where you know he is supposed to start breaking out and maybe that's yeah. what's happening with carl lawson here so we'll see um good player but you know relative to what i think he has done in the past and also his price tag i think he's capable of better but still still nice to have him right now he's been a key part of the season and uh, will continue to be a key part but i think he is capable of really pushing them even further over the top, if he could just start chaining those moves together a little bit better, and, and maybe some of that is physical, because like I think physically you see him and he gets off the ball well, he gets good push when he does make contact, but maybe part of you know maybe part of the reason he isn't as good in the finesse department is just the confidence you know in that lower body, whether it's just making cuts, like breaking inside. Uh, maybe there is an aspect of that where you know you need a little bit more reacclimation and confidence to be able to do it maybe there's some of that so um we'll see what happens he, he's an interesting player in terms of what he can do to raise their ceiling even further down the stretch here uh is there any other matchups that we want to talk about because we could we could move on here uh i think i think we've we've covered some most of these matchups here uh, I guess in terms of Josh Allen, though, I don't know if we've talked enough about him because he's really the X factor. I mean, he's arguably the best quarterback in the league. If he's not one, he's number two. And he had an uncharacteristically awful game against the Jets the yeah. first time around. Awful for him. I mean, it still would have been <laughs> great for the Jets, but well, maybe not. Some of those interceptions were brutal. The first one was uncharacteristically bad. That looked like he should have had uh, another one that Whitehead dropped. That's true. Um, so when you go back and watch the game, how much of that was Josh Allen being bad versus what the Jets were doing? And then when you look towards this Sunday, I mean, how do you think they, the Bills will try to attack some of those weaknesses that maybe they've seen from the Jets since that game or how the Jets will try to build off of what they did? I mean, just your thoughts on, on the Josh Allen matchup. I, I mean, some of it was definitely Josh Allen just being bad. Like the first center, I mean, both of those interceptions, I really don't know what he was going for with either of those. It, you know, I don't think either of them were the greatest pressure or coverage ever. It was, if, if I'm not mistaken, on the first one, fake. he he couldn't see Whitehead because JFM was yeah. in his face, and he was looking down the field, and he's like, "Okay, I'll take my check down." And then JFM was lined up perfectly, so he couldn't yeah. see Whitehead, and who jumped it. Yeah, so I think they caught a little bit of a break there. But the Jets also did some great things that definitely did contribute. I mean, Jermaine Johnson's sack in the open field, like that's just pure talent, and we've seen the videos 
It's exactly what they pictured when they drafted him. So that's a great asset to have against quick, Allen. Quick pause on that. His celebration, Jermaine Johnson, when he gets a sack. Yeah. I refer to it as a as a Thor celebration because it kind of looks like he yeah. summers, summons. I'm like I'm not like a big Marvel guy, but like he summons like an axe, yeah. and then he. But I guess it's a Florida State thing. But it's cooler if you imagine that he summons the axe. Pretty sick celebration. Sorry, I just had to get. We were tweeting about that a few weeks yeah. ago. It was the buy. You're right, you're sorry. a DC guy. Just stick to that. Yeah, I guess so. Well, not not today's DC. <laughs> That's true. We're both kind of out of it right now. I I, yeah. was, I have been a big Marvel guy, but I phased out kind of the last year or so. So both of us are not too in tune right now. But nevertheless, I would like to see more of the Thor celebration this week against Josh Allen. That would be great. Um, so, he's, he's certainly a guy to keep an eye on. But I think at the same time, I think where the Jets can improve is the run game against Allen. Because the passing game was quieted, but pretty much all the Bills' offensive production in that game was Allen running. I mean, both their touchdowns were Allen rushing touchdowns. And, you know, those drives are mostly set up by him running. So I think the Jets can improve and how they contain those. Um, obviously, you don't want to overcommit to that and then let him beat you through the air. Because I think if you had to choose one, you would, you know, I think the Jets would sign up for 17 points with two Allen rushing touchdowns. So yeah. you don't want to overcommit your, or, you know, your assets to that. But, you know, you still want to do better with it. Yeah, and every time he runs, you give Quincy Williams and Jordan Whitehead a shot to take his head off. I mean, the Jets yeah. have some hard hitters. Quan Alexander, yeah, they have some heavy hitters. So it's like, okay, even if he gets that 11-yard scramble for a first down, it's like those hits add up, especially over the course of a season, yeah. playoffs around the corner. Like maybe he's not looking to run as much. So I, I agree with you on, on how they should match him up. I, I feel like yeah. they do have – sorry, go ahead. I know I completely cut you off. But I feel like they do have a few uh, a few guys in this defense who are especially equipped to deal with mobile quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like that team speed definitely helps against that kind of quarterback. We saw it last game. Um, but I think the big thing for me in terms of defensive game planning, like what are they going to do this time, is are they going to keep that um, cornerback strategy they used last game? Because that was the one game of the year where they let the corners switch sides. It wasn't just Sauce on the left, Reed on the right. Um, they had Sauce playing tight end side most of the game, and Reed would play the other side, regardless of whether that was left or right. So corners were traveling last game. That was their approach for digs and all the weapons that the Bills have. So are they going to stick with that this game, or are they going to, you know, maybe switch back to their usual? You know, because I, I think that might be a good move because Buffalo might prepare, you know, for what the Jets did last time. And now you throw out your usual look where you just keep them at home. Maybe that, you know, surprised them a little bit. So I'm interested interested to see what they do in terms of or, that approach because it worked pretty good last time yeah i think it did i don't know if they, they switch it up too much i think uh dj reed certainly showed he can he can handle stefan Diggs, and then obviously the bigger body in sauce is you know it's a better matchup for him on, on gabe davis but i would i would like to see a little bit more of the Diggs on sauce action i don't know the last i mean look i get it the way the jets play but it seemed like we got i mean the jets flipped the field to have Reed followed Diggs, and then last week they flipped the field to have him follow Jefferson. And it's like, I do, you know, I know Sauce is the rookie. I know he's going to get burned occasionally, whatever, and Reed's a fantastic player, but I I hope we get some more uh, Sauce on, on Diggs. We kind of get let down with these, you know, build matchups. Like, oh, we got Sauce versus Jefferson. It's more Reed. Like, <laughs> Reed's getting happens. the A list, yeah. I think yeah. a lot of times it's like. Um, it just doesn't really happen in 
this NFL anymore. So right. teams are playing zone, keeping corners on one side. So it'll, yeah, and a lot of teams like Belichick yeah. used to do this a lot. Um, where it's like have take your number two corner and double him with the safety and put the, that combo on the team's best receiver, and then have your number two corner or whatever, and have your number one corner cover the team's number two receiver. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you could double their yeah. star and then take your best corner one on one against. Gabe Davis. So what's interesting though about that Vikings game, and I didn't notice this until I rewatched it, but you know, as we know, Reed was on Jefferson for that touchdown, and that was on the left side of the field where Sauce usually plays. That was the only play in the whole game where they switched sides. So I don't really know what they were doing there. I saw this quote from Sauce after the game. I think one of the reporters put it out and he said their plan was that um I think Sauce said he plays the boundary in the red zone, which is, you know, if the ball is on one of the hash marks, the boundary side is the side that the ball's on because that's the shorter side right. of the field. So, you know, the ball's more likely to go there. And then, you know, the other side is the field called the field side because there's more space, so more field. Um, so he Thank said you. that was the plan, but the, you know, the previous play, and, you know, on that play, that was the boundary side where the throw was, but on the a couple plays earlier, they were still in the red zone and they passed, and the ball was on the uh, on the other side. But Sauce was still on the left, so I don't. That was the only play of the whole game where they did that. So I don't yeah. know exactly what they're going for, but I don't totally dislike it because you know Reed is a really good player, and I think he matches up. I think he matched up better against Jefferson in this game, to be honest, than Sauce did. There were some plays where. You know, Sauce was beaten, but luckily Cousins missed the throw. Um, and Reed, I think, hung with them a little bit better. So uh, I, I don't totally dislike it. I'm not going to hindsight did knock it just because it turned into a touchdown. But it, it was just interesting because it was the only play they did that. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, the way that they're using Sauce and Reed has been uh, excellent so far. Like, I think what, we've, what the Jets have gotten from DJ Reed has been honestly the – in some ways, the biggest reason the Jets have taken as big of a leap defensively is because, like, okay, maybe the Jets get the big Quinn and Williams breakout. Maybe Sauce is great as a rookie. But to have right. two great corners and have the Quinn and Williams breakout, that's what's culminated in this defense. So I don't mind giving Reed uh, the shots on the, on the team's best uh, number one receiver. That matchup worked last time. I'm just saying, I think, you know, the, there's, the Bills will have that clip from the first play of the game of, of Diggs yeah. beating, beating Sauce. We, maybe we could get another... Uh, I mean, although I will say Sauce had a big game uh, in that one, too. He had a turnover, and we'll get to the random yeah, predictions yeah. in a little bit. But uh, I might be uh, cooking up another another Sauce sauce interception prediction. We'll see. Um, before we get to that, though, and if there's anything else, feel free to steer the ship that way. Actually, quickly, yeah. just one thing. So you just said Jets great cornerback duo. I want to throw Michael Carter the second in there. Let's I did it. Am I bad? Make sure we give him his credit. Yeah, you're right. Man, you're this right. guy is good. I think he was especially good against the Vikings here. He had a tackle for loss on Cook, I think. He had a short pass breakup, and he had some great coverage reps. He even got Hawkinson a couple times. He is really good. And even looking back to that Bills game, there were some reps that I liked from him. There was even one where he's in the slot, pressed digs, had a had him on a crossing route, stuck to his back hip, forced an incompletion. So I like me some Michael Carter the second. I think, you know, is he pro bowler? You know, slot guys don't really get in the pro bowl, whatever. But in terms of how he ranks among slot guys, I think he's just as high up there as, you know, sauce and Reed are among outside corners or, or is, all corners in general. So. Is he the most underrated jet? 
Probably, right? I, th- I think he is, but like, the, like I, I wrote this in my article I did about him this week. I was like, you know, let's stop calling him underrated and just let's call him great. You know, let's make sure he's properly rated. Because uh, I feel like every yeah. time he gets brought up, it's like, he's underrated, he's underrated. So uh, I just think he's great. So I'm going to prop. You're right. You're right about that. We should. We, it is weird how like the slot corner isn't viewed as like a starter. And a lot of yeah. people, you know, it's always like the cornerback duos. It's like NFL defense has played nickel. Yeah, way more than base personnel. He's more of a starter than Quan Alexander is, but we hear about Quan way more than Michael. Snaps they lose are just run snaps. Maybe if he didn't have the same name as another running back, you know, if there was like that hurts him. That does hurt his stock. He could use a better name, but he's been he's been great. And you know who deserves a lot of credit? Joe Douglas for that. That that might be. You know, a lot of people say, well, like, okay, well, the Jets should have drafted well because they've had a ton of high draft picks. And it's like, yeah, there's some credence to that, although it's not like every top 10 pick is good. The Jets also know that. <laughs> um, but it's the best teams draft well on days two and day three. And if you can just find one guy on day three every draft, you're going to be in a good spot. And the Jets may have found more than one, but Michael Carter II has already, I mean, succeeded every expectation from his first pass breakup in that against that Panthers yeah, game. That Panthers like game. you just you were I was like, I don't know how good Michael Carter II is going to be. And then he had that great breakup in his first game and I was like all right I'm gonna we got a stud there and he literally hasn't let him down since so uh that's an interesting matchup as well let's do where the Jets are better changes a little bit we could have just kept it from the one from a few weeks ago but figure why not run through this again where are the Jets yeah, better different lineups Bills we're Jets doing. yeah we're, we'll do it off the, the lineups Bills Jets we'll start quarterback Jets yeah Mike White baby no all right Bills running back um, Bills Jets. have been running the ball better lately. Jets, 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 Jets. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Come on. Bam Knight in his first two games is going off at an unprecedented level. They get Michael Carter back. James Robinson hasn't been that good, but I, I would say, like, he is one of those guys when you talk about the Jets not getting a lot from their red zone offense. It's like James Robinson is one of those guys who's shown he can he can find that that yard. He can, he can tough out a few yards. It's just like, all right, he's getting – two, three yards every carry, but it's like he's shown that he's great on the goal line. So if they're in those situations, maybe Robinson gets some touches. And also, you know, the resurgence of, of Ty Johnson. He's come on a little bit. Who do you think yeah. Who do you think's their best receiving back? I was thinking about this the other day. Not um, just third down back, like pass catching yeah. back, because I think that's also kind of a big matchup in this one is, you know, yes, they have great pass coverage linebackers, but if the Jets can get the running backs and tight ends involved in this one, it's going to open up everything for Mike White. And specifically the running backs, like who – Who's your go-to if you, if you want to dial up like a halfback wheel? Seems like yeah. it's been Ty Johnson a lot, which I don't necessarily agree with. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say because like, are we talking about routes? Because like Both. purely like, because like Carter, I think is really good. Just dump offs in the flat, open field along the sideline, making guys miss. I think he's really good there. He might even be more elusive than he is as a rusher in those situations. Um, but I don't know if we've seen a lot of routes from him, but Ty Johnson, it seems like they – Trust him with routes. I mean, you know, he won on that wheel against the Patriots where Zach Wilson missed the throw. Um, there was – what was the one he – there was one in the Bears game where he had a good route, right? I forgot what it was. Yeah. But, um, but he generally tends to run more routes uh, than I think some of the other ones do. Uh, Knight, obviously, has been a good playmaker, but kind of, kind of similar to Carter. Like, if we're talking about routes, I don't know if I've seen a ton of that. So, I don't – in terms of that, I think – it might be Johnson, which is maybe why he's out there in third down so much. All right, receiver. 
definitely Bills. Yeah, but I mean, not not to sleep. Maybe on not Jets, definitely, but, but yeah, it's it's the Bills. It's yeah, it's definitely the Bills, but it's not like it's it's the blowout. Yeah, not <laughs> you know not the, the talent gap between these two teams. But the way Garrett Wilson is playing, just, like I mean, considering the quarterbacking he's had this year, for him to put up the numbers he's had is very impressive. Yeah, uh, tight end, Jets, right? Yeah, I'd I don't so. feel I don't, Dawson Knox is having the best year, right? No, my yeah, he was on my fantasy team for a few weeks, so means I know all, everything about him for the four weeks he was on my team his and put up story, no points. You know. I know his whole story. Um, offensive tackle, Brown and Fant. Uh, Brown and Fant. Dawkins is good, but Bills have a question on the other side. I think we could say Jets here. Okay, yeah, Fant back. What about yeah. what about the interior? Interior, Herbig McGovern and Tomlinson, not not a yeah, bad I mean, interior a line. Decent interior. They got Saffold and Morris, but Ryan Bates maybe not as impressive. Uh, I mean, Greg Van Roten is their backup, so that automatically cancels them out. Uh, I thought I think Tomlinson's been a little bit better recently. I think he was solid yeah. in this Vikings game. Herbig's obviously been good. I think right, McGovern Jets. is good. But you want to go Jets? I already wrote it down. All right, so we're giving the Jets a whole O line. Yes, we're giving the Jets better at O line, better at tight end, running back. Bills are better at quarterback and receiver. If you're a Bills fan and you disagree, you can comment. I guess we'll see how many <laughs> Jets fans on this on this page will agree with you. I feel like we've been. I mean, you could maybe debate the offensive line a little bit, but at the very least, it would be a push. I don't think you could say the Bills O line is better than the Jets. I don't feel like we've been crazy too far. Let's get crazy though. Talk about the defense edge. Jets. No Von Miller, you gotta give it to the Jets. No Von Miller, you gotta give it to the Jets. And you know what else you gotta give it to the Jets? Defensive Corner. tackle. Well, oh, we're well gonna, yeah. Yep, defensive tackle. Yeah, come on, yep, Quinn. This is getting a little lopsided. Linebacker will give the Jordan Bills. Also, might not play in this game. Linebacker will give the Bills. Definitely Bills. Even, even without Milano, I think Edmonds pushes them over. Safety, we definitely give the Bills. Yeah. That's probably the biggest gap between these two teams corner i think you gotta have the jets too i mean i know tradavius white's great and bills have some good corners too but gotta give it to the you jets. can't it's argue the best, that it's the best cornerback trio in the league yes and you said trio good job uh and special go. teams uh, I, don't, I'm not, I don't really I mean, know much i don't, I don't know anything about the bills specials. <laughs> yeah i don't know anything about the bills specials let's do some quick research here You're gonna do a yes. spark notes so this bills is about as teams. much research that right goes now, into most Tyler Bass, 89%, 24, 27. Let's look at their returns here. That's higher than Zerline. Right. Um, kick returns, only averaging 21 yards a kick return, but 10.4 per punt return. That's solid. You know, you know, um, I know I we're know, not at the right. Craig Lazer, pretty money. I said, we're. No, I know we're not at the random prediction time of the podcast, but it's right around the corner. And we're talking about something that I think is is a good segue. We're going to continue with this. I just want to get this out though before, before before I forget. Random prediction. Are you ready for this one, Michael? Here we go. Are you ready? Braxton Barrios is going to run one back. Okay. I think he's he's dealt Revenge with the adversity. Game? He dealt with the adversity on Sunday, dropping the game winner. He's due to run one back. He hasn't run one back all season. I don't know. I, I just have a feeling. I was like, you know what? I don't In know if the punt. Or I, like I just, yeah, like I feel like a, a Barrios return touchdown. At the very least, a big return for specials. 
I wasn't going to specify. I'm trying to you know, increase my right, odds here. That, that's good. Increase your, you can stick with that. Yeah. So I'll say Barris once went back. A big return. I'm going to say touchdown. But even I just feel like you know, a sizable return from Barrios. Pencil that one in. But if you're keeping track, do we get special teams to the Jets or Bills? Let's, let's just push it. Bass right, is that a good season. Let's, let's not pretend to know. All right. Yeah. This is going to look a little lopsided. We'll probably look a little biased. But we gave the Jets running back, tight end, offensive line, which is two different positions, edge, defense tackle, and corner. And we get the Bills quarterback, receiver, linebacker, and safety. So that means the Jets have seven and the Bills have four. This doesn't look right. I mean, it, does, I, it doesn't feel right. It. it doesn't feel right, if I'm being honest. But at the same time, I, you could just We have follow. good reason. The only Okay, the only one I think you can debate. Right. What are the ones you can debate? You can debate the ones on offense. The, the, the two O-line def- positions are probably probably close. Two O-lines are I mean, close. Tight end. Brown is bad. They just should have tackle. They just should have fair. tackle. And interior, it's like Herbig has been a beast. Maybe that's a wash because, I mean, Tomlinson is – Shaky, right, Mitch fine. Morris is fine. really good. Even center. all right, you know what? We'll be fair, which I don't even know, but we'll give him. We'll make interior offensive line a push. That gives the Jets six, and the Bills four. Bills but you have to give the Jets edge, right? You have to give the Jets edge, defensive tackle, and corner. You have absolutely, to give them DT. You have to give him corner. Oh, offensive tackle, I feel like you give him as well. Fanton Brown, that's not great. Tight end, you know the the, the truth is. Is there's one position on here that matters more than all of them, and the Bills have it, which is quarterback. And he's yeah. the guy that'll dictate this game. Um, but yeah, you, you can maybe argue about running back, maybe, but. Even if you do, it's like it's running back, so it's not, not that huge of a difference. I will say, random, but we were talking about the beginning of the podcast about playoff predictions. I don't think we have to worry about the Raiders because they did just lose. I got the got, I got, you got the oh, t- tweet lost. notification. Uh, like an insane. I don't. We haven't watched it, so I have no idea. Baker Mayfield insane, comeback. Insane Baker Mayfield comeback at the last second. So, All right. Ooh. Thank you, Baker. We can. I gotta cross be honest. The... I feel good about that. I was tired of hearing about the Raiders. <laughs> yes. So that's that's good for the Jets. All right. With that, Michael, let's get some predictions. Let's start with this. Best case for this game. Worst case for this game. Let's go into some detail here. We'll get to the scores. We'll get to the random predictions. Let's start with the worst case scenario. Let's end on a high note. Worst case scenario, the Jets walk in there Sunday. It's snowing. It's raining. Allen's going off. What does that look like? What has to happen for the Jets to to really fall off on Sunday? Worst case scenario, I think. I think it, I think it's turnovers. So I, and that's something the Jets did a good job with last time. They only had the one, which was a Von Miller strip sack. Who's not going to be in this game? That was also on Ogwehi. Now it's going to be Fant. So just worth noting. Um, I think it's turnovers. You know, it's going to be in the weather, like you said. It's going to be risk risk there, especially if Mike White continues making challenging some of these tight windows. Um, and he was able to brave it against the Bears, but this might be a different animal than that. We'll see how it looks. Um, so I think the Jets are turning the ball over. It's going to be hard to overcome that against this team because you know last couple games, Bears and Vikings defenses, you could get a lot of yards on and overcome some of those turnovers. But against the Bills, you got to win field position uh, to be able to overcome the fact that they're probably more talented than you and are going to outplay you in between the 20s. So you got to be able right. to make up for that with the turnovers. And that's a big part of the Jets' last win. I mean, um, the interception on the first drive was crucial. If they don't get that, I don't know if they win that game because that was 
a disaster to start it out with a terrible kickoff and then the bomb to dig. <laughs> that was a touchdown. And they just erased it with that one turnover. Um, then later, after the Von Miller strip sack, you cancel that out by getting the ensuing interception with Sauce Gardner. So uh, turnovers were enormous in that game when it was all said and done. So the Jets need to replicate that in this one. So I think if they're turning the ball over, you know, tipped interception or Mike White airmails one or someone fumbles in the weather, um, especially if it's early in the game, I think they could let it get away from them and get in a pretty big hole because because you remember the last game, Jets were down 14-3. to That was not, you know, some storybook game from start to finish. It was it was them digging out of a hole. Right. Um, and that could have been a much, much bigger hole if not for that first interception. So I think that's the key. Ball security early on and get at least a takeaway or two. Um, if those things don't happen, I think the Bills do have a chance to get up pretty big early and then put the Jets into comeback mode, which I don't think you want to be no. in that environment in this weather. And let's just do best case, which for all this, you could probably just do, just put not in front of these or the opposite of whatever we're about to say. But if the Jets go out there and win this game, it's going to come down to one thing. I mean, a few things, but primarily they got no, one the thing. Trenches. The whole game comes down to one thing. Oh, it really does. I mean, like yes. if you got to simplify it, it comes down to the trenches. Can they get pressure on Allen with four? That's true. Because because yeah. if the front four is not getting through, I don't care how good those corners are. Josh Allen's going to make a play. He's either going to yeah. run for 15 yards and keep running until your corners get tired, and then he's going to hit the big one, or he's just going to keep methodically moving you down the field. The Jets have to get pressure with their four. They need the big game from Carl Lawson and and Quinnen and JFM and Jermaine Johnson and Hop. Like they need a big. Yeah game for the defensive line and then on the other side they need a big game for their offensive line they can't they have to be able to run the football especially if it's gonna yes. be snowing they have to be able to run the football they have to be able to give mike white some time because without von miller they might be sending some blitzes to get some pressure on white they gotta hold up to give give mike white uh time and then you know this isn't really a maybe a specific one but best case scenario is mike white looks as good as he has the last two weeks that this is a consi- yeah. you know once you get three gr- great performances in a row and he's become consistent with it. It's gonna be hard to keep doubting him, you know. Especially if you can go into this environment. Like then it'll be like, okay. Well, can he follow up the big win and put four in a row? But it's like, a, a if Mike White goes in there and he looks like the veteran that we've seen, he's moving the the, the ball off the field, and the Jets are winning that that battle at the line of scrimmage. Jets are winning this game. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because you know we're all gonna focus on Mike White, and quite obviously. He's important. He's the quarterback. But the trenches, I think, are what set up the success everywhere else on the field. And it's what helped them win the last game with the way they were able to run the ball down the Bills' throats at the end. And then defensively, the pressures and key spots were, you know, those two things were the difference in the game. So, you know, like you said, defensively, I think there's no quarterback. I don't know. Other than probably Mahomes, there, there's no other quarterback will punish you more for not pre- uh, for not pressuring him quickly than Allen just because of, you know, he's so hard to bring down. Uh, He's very good at extending plays and getting his teammates to improvise and hitting them on those improvised throws and then just, you know, scrambling and taking it himself. So you need to get quick wins off the edge, up the middle, wherever it comes from. You need to get quick wins to be able to beat him like the Jets did with Bryce Huffsack um, and various other pressures in that game. So, Defense line needs to be really, really good, like you said. Then offensively, you know, if 
they're going to win this game. It's running the ball has got to be a big part of it. It's not not likely they're going to win the way they almost beat the Vikings last week by throwing it sixty times and you know trying to come back from down seventeen. It's probably going to be because they're able to run the football and have a balanced attack and sustain long drives, keep the Bills' offense off the field, um, and do some of those things that you know they did in the last game. So, and that's all about the offensive line. So, glad you brought that up. I think trenches. Is in the best case scenario for the Jets, they definitely have a great performance in the trenches on both sides of the football. And in the worst case scenario, they don't. Um, they don't. All right, random predictions. I said Barry's going to run one back. We can trade them back and forth here. Give me a random prediction. All right, random prediction. You get here. you get way too specific with these to the point where they will never hit. So well, last week I said Garrett Wilson would throw a pass to Elijah Moore. So throwing in that stipulation made it technically incorrect because he threw it to Corey right, Davis. Exactly. And he didn't but even he did throw a pass. pass. He did throw he it. He did though. throw a pass. So All right. I was worried about that. Nostradamus, um, anything else? Trying to think of something crazy but also possible. Um, the first thing that came to mind was George Fant would catch a pass, but okay. that's that. now we're getting out of hand. Um, yeah. How about Zonovan Knight, two touchdowns? Okay. Little, little more. I mean, I guess I was gonna say a little more on the conservative too side. No, I mean, so I, I like it. I like crazy it. To no, too regular. You're finding the balance. I like that. I like that. I think that's a good one. I'll give. I'll fire you back. Sauce Gardner interception. He gets another. Okay. One. And I and I. This is how I said he would get it on the first one, and it didn't happen. I'm gonna double down. Deep pass. Sauce Gardner goes up there and plucks it out of the air. Like Al looking for the big play. He's gonna hurl it. You know that those plays that are right at the end zone, like a 50 yard bomb. Sauce going to be there, and he's going to pick that one off. That's my prediction. So I got Barrios okay. running it back. Sauce getting a pick. I'll think of one for the offense, but you got to come with some heat on this next one, Michael. All right, I got one. DJ Reed, pick six. 27 okay. yards. See, then you screw yourself with the 27 yards because DJ Reed, pick six, was already would be crazy if you predicted that. 27 yards. If it's yards right, now. though, then I could just retire. Yeah, th- this is my strategy whatever. with the parlays that I do where it's yeah. like, all right, five dollars but if all 17 of these teams win i'll win ten thousand dollars and it's like yeah but that won't happen like if i just scaled it back to like seven teams i might win you know 100 bucks i don't know my gambling go big or go home no one i'm pretty good with just putting five bucks down like i don't really go past that but these parlors i've been putting down are just getting great i just lost the one because i had the the raiders win it i had one and it was like jets with the spread because they got it was like nine and a half on DraftKings, and then I predicted every game, and I was like, "Wow, there's a lot of easy, obvious games. I think I might win my four thousand dollars off this five dollar bet." And then check my phone, Baker Mayfield, I'm at my five dollars. So I think that's your strategy with these random predictions. I go with the offense though. Okay, I'm gonna go. I don't actually have one. I was just gonna think of one on the spot, but I'm gonna go with. Um... <sighs> that. I was going to say Mike White game-winning drive. So I will. Flacco game-winning drive. No, don't That's put that even on me. Don't put that even on me. All right, I shouldn't even I'll have say, said that. I'll say, Although I'll say we'd be Mike, very happy. I'll say Mike White has a game-winning drive. Okay. So, so you're going to predict, predict them to win then? No, see, but that's the thing. And then I boxed myself into the corner there. Okay, I'm getting a little too galaxy brand with it. All right, never mind. You know what? No, fuck it. I'm sticking with it. Mike White game-winning drive and the Jets are winning this game. <laughs> Okay. Michael. I like it. 
Yeah. I actually have another. I have some more um, specifics to add to my prediction. It's going to be an out route against Stefan Diggs. That's going to be too far to the inside. He's going to snag it, and that's how he's going to get his 27-yard pick six, and it'll be in the first quarter. All right, good luck with that. Do you have a, do you have a score prediction? I don't think I'm going to go with the Jets in this one. That's probably good for this pod if, if one of us I think it'll be. I think it'll be a low-scoring, uglier game. I'm going to go with yeah, Bills probably. 16, Jets 13. Bill 16, Jets 13. I like that. I agree yeah. that it'll probably be a slugfest. DJ Reed has a pick six, and I guess we're not scoring a touchdown so, yeah. on offense. I guess or they I'll could say... and miss the extra point. Yeah, that's true. I guess I'll say... How about 16-14? Let me change it. They're going to score 16... on offense. Okay, fine. Yeah. I, think the... I do think the Jets get right to 20 points, though. I feel like... Nineteen seventeen, that a good one? Okay, yeah, that that would one. be twelve to seventeen. Mike White takes the field, game winning drive, or if he wins it on a field goal, whatever. Um, doesn't matter. None of these will happen anyway. So yeah, it could be sixteen seventeen. They could kick the game winner. Who knows? Game winning drive incoming though. I'm calling it right now. We'll see. Um, all right, Michael. I guess I guess that's it. I mean, if there's anything else, I'll do the plugs and and you shout it out. Uh, but you can follow us at 2AJ Pod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore Nania. Myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com, the best place to go for Jets content. Check out all the other great pods on JetsXFactor as well. Subscribe to the YouTube. Also, if you can, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, always helps out the pod. I think that's it. Michael, you got anything? Um, so we're we going all white this week? No, probably white on black. You think they run it back? Yeah. So it's it's a good look for them. They're winning, and it's also yeah. like you know in the crappy weather. Course. Two losses in a row now. Because mm. for I me, think like it would the, look, they beat the Bills in this it. in this uniform matchup, though. So yeah. I don't know if you want to mess with it. But I, I was, you know, my voting for it was based on results. But now that that's kind of fading away. I don't know. I, I, I still like think it's white a good white look. in Buffalo. You know, snowy Buffalo, go all white. Yeah, let's make it it's harder nice on look. our. I guess that would make it harder on on Josh Allen though. But I don't know. We'll see. That's what I'm saying. Like it, yeah. they'll blend right. in with the snow. So like, right. how's he gonna see so. them? Um, a really good strategy. I'm trying to think. What I about think... white on green. Do you have any? Mm, uh, the Peter Griffins. I think the... I yeah. actually don't hate the the white on greens as much as other people do. They just lost in them more than like, any other. My combo. thought process with white on green is like maybe they're too stigmatized by the losing they're associated with. So this has been yeah. a season of breaking stigmas and you know breaking curses. So maybe we got to throw that in there as i want to see the, i want to see the green against detroit i'd go green on yes. green green on the, green you want yes for the I'm, going, I'm going crazy Not the classic green on white yes i'm going green on green versus the lions all white You've never seen mike white in that outfit I, in that outfit <laughs> why don't i say outfit? yeah Uniform. we just we outed ourselves with that one michael jesus <laughs> <laughs> um all right well i guess we're done that's enough uniform talk um, as soon as i said that i guess it's it. over yeah, it was over. It's over for us. Green on green. I vote back, for green on white. Back to the... Back to the... What? What? I was going to say back to the Among Us days for us. Shout out to all the, all the OGs who who understand that reference. Um, yeah, green on white should, is my Should we start? Should we start? For the, if we started a, a Cool Your Jets Discord. I mean, it'd be cool, I guess, right? People could talk some Jets in there. Get on there and talk with them. Potentially. Is it worth it? 
We could we could restart the Collegiate Discord. Talk about our favorite outfits. Yeah. Okay. Jets. Jesus Christ. I'm if you're just interested, keep running that into yeah, the ground. Now, now you got to commit to it. Um, if you're interested in that, tweet us out. We're thinking about it. I don't know. I think we're good. All right, we'll be back on Sunday night, Monday, with the uh, uh, post game thoughts on the Jets Bills game. Hopefully, we'll be back on the following Wednesday with the George fan interview, and then again the Friday preview pod. So hopefully, this time we do get the three pods in one week for you for you guys. Um, that'd be great. But outside of that, Michael, I think we're good here. Everybody have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Sunday. I feel, I don't know. I mean, the very least, maybe the Jets don't win, but I, I feel like the Jets will play well. And I feel like we'll, we'll feel all right about their, their, uh, their chances down the stretch. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's always interesting. So thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. Go Jets.